Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today we're sitting down with our state legislator of the month, Kansas Representative Tori Arnberger. Tori, thank you so much for zooming in today, and I'm really excited to talk to you. Absolutely, I'm excited as well. So for our listeners who aren't aware of the program, we're going to link to the blog post that gives a better description than I probably will here. But the State Legislative of the Month program is a program Alec partners with both FreedomWorks and Turning Point USA. We try to highlight state legislators from across the states who are working on substantive policy and, you know, just fitting in line with the Alec vibe. Tori, talk to us a little bit about what's special about August. Some people who are really into history, probably know what's coming up. Some people might not know what's going up, but I think it's a really important thing for us to hit on today. So first, in August, we obviously, we had the primary, but second is the 100th anniversary of the of ratifying the 19th Constitutional Amendment. And so in Kansas, we actually had a resolution that we had all 125 state representatives sign on to, which is awesome. And it's just celebrating the 19th Amendment. And we were going to have something in Kansas where we were going to educate folks. And it was going to be from August 13th to 15th to celebrate the 100th anniversary. But due to COVID, obviously, we weren't able to do that. But just to really hit hard on it and to celebrate the fact that now women can vote. And you know what's really interesting, I think, when you look particularly at Kansas, and I think our listeners will really like this story as well, is that there's a very interesting story of federalism and in just general, you know, the state first mentality that ALEC members and people who like ALEC, uh, you know, in that story. And the story is, although the 19th Amendment was ratified and passed in in 1920, and the 100-year anniversary will be this uh, August, Kansas actually passed suffrage, uh, women's suffrage in 1912. I think it's a pretty interesting story, especially when uh, you look at a lot of the work that Alec does, which is state first. Take, for example, the First Step Act. It was actually legislation passed, I believe, in the end of 2018 and got really popular at the beginning of 2019. And it was passed at the federal level and it was a really big package of criminal justice reform. But it actually started in the states um, years prior, many years prior. It started in Texas and in Oklahoma. And you saw a huge drop in recidivism. And I just love these stories where you can start off in the States, vet these ideas, see the best ones spread across, and then when it makes sense, the federal government picks them up as well. I don't know if you want to comment on that at all, but I just love seeing, you know, I didn't even know that when I was doing some research on your sponsorship of the bill. Um, I knew some other states have it. I didn't know that about Kansas. So I did a little bit of research as well over it. And um, something I thought was really interesting is, you know, the, the two states that they talk about that passed it first was Colorado and Wyoming. But the really interesting part was the 38th state was Tennessee. And the swing vote for that was a 24-year-old male who actually, um, he was going to vote against it. But he got a letter from his mom, a seven-page letter from his mom. And his mom put on there, please do the right thing and ratify this. And he switched. And so it's kind of interesting, you know, he and he even said best that moms know best. And so um, when I, I did a little research on that and I was 23 when I got into the legislature and being single and living on my own, I don't have somebody to vent to. So I vent to my parents and my mom, yeah. I can guarantee you 
mom's no best. And <laughs> although I don't agree with her at the moment, I look back later, I'm like, oh, she was right. I should have yeah. listened to her earlier. So I thought that was pretty interesting. The fact that the swing vote and how Tennessee became the state was due to a 24-year-old who got a letter from his mom. No, that's an awesome story. And I can't believe I just got out-nerded on my own <laughs> podcast. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I want to invite you back on or I have to invite you back on. Um, but another thing, just moving down the list here on some of your recent activities, you've recently been uh, responding to some of the executive orders in Kansas. There were portions of the executive order that allowed for a lot of local decisions and local control at the county level. And people might not have been aware of that. Um, a lot of times you just think it's straight top down, especially with, I mean, the name, executive order. Talk to our listeners a little bit about that interesting story and how you kind of, not necessarily rallied, but made people remember and pointed out a real part in the executive order that local control still matters. So we had a special session um, due to covid it was in June and it was the governor called us back and it was to fix the bill that we passed that she was not a fan of. And um, well, because we took away some of her powers and of course, no governor wants their power taken away. But um, so we, we passed House Bill 2016 in a special session and it was just basically that local counties can opt out of the governor's executive orders. And at first you think, well, wait a second. Why would you want to do that? Well, it's not not every county is the same, especially in Kansas. The highly populated area is eastern Kansas. And of course, it depends where you're from. But I consider you fold the state in half and one side's east and one side's west. But to other folks, anything west of Kansas City, which is everything, they consider western Kansas. But Kansas City, that area, it's called Wyandotte, Johnson County area. Sure. Um, that is the most populated area in Kansas. So, of course, their numbers are going to be higher. Um, they're going to have more restrictions. But that's not what every other... We had counties for a long time. We still have counties for, uh, that have zero COVID cases. So, why should they have the same mandate that every other county has? So um, that's why we put that local control in there that, hey, you know your, your county commissioners know their county better than anybody else. Why should somebody in Topeka regulate what's going on in your area? So um, that's one thing, especially in my area, Barton County, I have been hitting really hard to let people know your county commissioners have this jurisdiction to decide, do we want schools to open early? Do we not want, do we want to wait a little bit longer? Um, right now, today, actually, we had a, uh, our county commissioners went in to see, should we have maybe opted into wearing facial masks? And I posted on Facebook, a lot of other people did on their social media. And um, county commissioners talked about all the phone calls, emails, everything that they got. And they were, they actually changed their mind because how upset people were getting. So um, I think it's really important for local control. And if it's not important, then why do we have those boards? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think uh, our listeners will really love that story as well. I mean, it's we're here about limited government, free markets, and federalism. Uh, the first one there and the last one, both of them are, you know, the people are kings, right? Mm -hmm. the power back to the local people. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned they're uh, kind of talking about 
reopening schools. And I know you used to be a teacher and we're going to get to that. But before we do, Turning Point USA, what they do so well is mobilizing young people. They're right there on college campuses. And I think we were talking before uh, we started recording just how great they are at putting, you know, tools and resources in the hands of young people. And one thing that Turning Point USA has really loved about our partnership here at ALEC is highlighting some of these young legislators across the states. You said you joined when you were 23. I was, you know, just barely out of college. I think I just moved to DC when I was 23. So, wow, um, great on you. Uh, What can you say or what would you like to say to all the young activists that are involved with Turning Point USA? Uh, First and foremost, don't take no for an answer. Don't do, you do what you think is best. Um, I have had so many people tell me that my views are not the views of, and they use the word millennial. I feel like the definition of millennial is all over the place. You never know who belongs to what in the age group, but that could be its own podcast. That's my first thing is just, um, you do know what you're talking about and you are passionate about it and you have the right to talk about whatever you want to and research it. And so that's one thing that I really want to hit hard on is that I, there were multiple times that I was told, and I quote, you're just a little girl. You don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And it motivated me even more to go and even research the topic even more to make sure, do I know what I'm talking about? Because I'm not going to make a fool of myself. And so that was actually what I was told when I was running, uh, when I was looking at running. And I was told from a local elected official that you're just a little girl. You don't know anything. Wait your turn. We've never had a female in this office and that's okay. Mm. And so it just motivated me more. And I said, if you don't think I can win, then I'm going to prove you wrong. And if I lose, then it's my own fault. And I tried and so forth. So that's one thing I guess I'd have to say. Yeah. Turn your haters into your motivators. I love that attitude completely. But I did promise our listeners we're going to talk about reopening. That is the hot topic today. Used to be a teacher before I get into anything or give my own little opinion on it all, I want you to jump in. What's going on in Kansas? What do you think are the next steps? So first, the governor issued another executive order making schools to reopen. They must reopen after Labor Day. Well, again, like I said earlier, we only have a couple counties that are highly populated. We have counties that have zero cases. We have counties that have maybe like one or two cases, active cases right now. So they should be able to reopen. I actually taught at a um, very, very small school district. Kindergarten through high school, through seniors in high school was about like 112 kids. Each class had maybe 16 to 18 kids in a class. So this is already a small school district and they have the ability to, they already have small class sizes. So they have the ability to social distance if they need to. So that's not fair for them to take out all those weeks of education. And she wasn't even allowing online learning. And that's something that we need to be having. If if it's possible and we have broadband, which in Kansas, we have an issue with rural broadband not being accessible to different counties and areas. But if you are able to get to school and, and as a student, as parents, as all that, if you are okay with it, then being in the classroom is the best place to be to learn and to take out so many weeks already from starting school. And then we have state testing. Then we need to cancel state testing because they all uh, didn't, they haven't been inside a classroom since March 
of 2020. Mm. So yeah. they're, we're already behind. We need, and students miss their classrooms. They miss their friends. Teachers miss the students. We, we just need to get back to normal, see if we can. Yeah. So for many of our listeners who aren't school choice experts uh, like you, give us the lay of the land briefly, just so they understand the context a little bit more in Kansas. Because you know, there are some states that have been responding to COVID and its uh, costs, let's say, on the education system a little better. Maybe ones that have more education savings accounts in place, more virtual options. Maybe they leaned into that. And you were saying that in the most recent executive order, that's not the case. So what is the lay of the land for education choice in Kansas? So in Kansas, we have a broad amount of different types of schools. And the school choice portion, that's where a lot of folks, and especially the conservative folks, they want the taxpaying dollars to follow that student. And if they feel like they can get a better education elsewhere, then they should have, then those tax dollars should follow that student. So whether it's in a different school district, whether it's in a different, maybe it's a a religious school. For instance, there is a school in Wichita that is put on by Coke Industries and it's all about innovative learning and you have to apply to get in and they just do things, they just completely flip around. It's not your typical classroom. And so your money should be able to fall. Of course, it's going to be a a costly school to get into, but that's what school choice is. In Kansas, it's, it's not, we don't have it legalized and in statute, but, and right now with our governor, she'll never sign it, but that's what it is. Hey, no, I appreciate that. And um, that is what the goal is, right? Is to move to more choice, put the power back into the hands of parents and into students when they're able. And I think it would be a great next step for Kansas. Uh, Thank you for giving the download. I know uh, our listeners love learning about education choice and they, you know, they all agree. uh, And maybe I shouldn't say that, but many of them agree on where we're going. Um, But a lot of times I don't know where we are right now with state policy. And it's very confusing. 50 states, all of them are very particular. You know, Kansas is miles different from even one of your neighbors or especially California or even Michigan, my home state. Um, So getting those those uh, state policy issues down is, is really important. That's why our listeners keep coming back. Well, we are coming to the end of our segment today. Before we go, I just wanted to give you a final moment for all of the you know, your state legislator colleagues out there or state policy interested folks like me, or even some of the activists who are involved with FreedomWorks and Turning Point USA. What do you have to say to them? Just keep doing what you're doing. You guys are making a difference right now. And if somebody tells you no, don't don't make that be your final answer. I got into it because I was told no. I was told you're just a little girl. I and that just fueled my fire even more to want to be what I am today. So keep doing what you're doing. You're making an, an a huge impact. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing for America. Well, thank you, Tori. I know um, that doesn't just come from me, but from everyone here at Alec and all of our listeners as well. Congratulations again on being selected for the State Legislator of the Month for August here in 2020. Thank you. It's a, it's a huge honor. Thank you. Thank you for all, all that you're doing. I'm really looking forward to following your work, and I know our listeners will be as well. I've been Dan Reynolds, your host. If you're interested in having your ideas featured on Across the States, do not hesitate to email me at acrossthestates at alec.org. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council. 
the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.